0: Welcome back to Ascension Podcast. I'm your host Frederick Cannon. I'm the director of Team Film Basketball, owner and creator of Ascension Sports Consulting, and this is episode nine where we will discuss uh, various topics. But you know, some of the latest recruiting information locally and nationally. We'll also talk about a couple of group chat messages that I've received uh, that I thought was interesting topics, and we'll just talk about kind of my history because I've been getting a lot of inquiries about how I got to where I'm at today. Um, so as usual, we always start off with one profile athlete that I think is uh, worth you guys checking out this week or this episode. Uh, feature athlete is going to be Jaden Young, who's a freshman at Greensboro Day School. He's like a 6'3", combo guard, um, great size, body looks great. And I think just from watching him doing the college workout, there's not many holes in his game right now. And to be able to say that about a freshman uh, is rare. I think also aligning itself with Coach Johnson, Coach Smith, I think he will have three to four years to really polish his game out and just mature as a basketball player. And that'll be kind of determined, you know, will determine how he, you know, falls in the landscape nationally. But just looking at the local kids in the area, I believe he will be one of the names that you'll see posted and blessed to receive an offer from a whole lot in the upcoming year. I uh, was really impressed by his composure, and I think him being in a situation to where he's alongside or backing up two ACC guards is only going to help him with Carson McCorkle and Cam Hayes. And, you know, I just think that environment for him is going to be really beneficial to him. I'm expecting big things out of him over the next year or so. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a bigger contributor than most people think on this year's Greensboro Day uh, team. But with them playing the schedules that they play, uh, there'll be plenty of exposure for him. And we'll definitely see if he continues to trend up in the directions I think he will be. But that's Jaden Young freshman at Greensboro Day School, make sure you go check him out and let me know what you think. And on the recruiting side of things for locally, the biggest news I saw on my Twitter timeline this time was Jaden Michael, who's a 2021 wing out of the Burlington School. He stands about 6'7", 6'6", six 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 seven. Great defender uh he has a great frame that allows him to guard to me really once and four, depending on the conference or you know competition he could definitely hold his own, own for possessions uh, on a switch i guess the four for sure the biggest improvement that i've noticed about him though is that he seems to be playing off field more on the perimeter whereas i felt like maybe a year and a half ago he was most comfortable maybe 15 16 feet and in is where he was most productive on the offensive end, but now I can see him playing more fluid and you know just playing the game off of reaction from the perimeter. And uh, he recently picked up the offer from Louisville. Uh, I think that's a large part of it, just the improvement that he's made in that one area. But I could also see him, if he's eligible, being able to reclass up and still maintain that type of high major offer. I think with his size and what he's going to do this year at the Burlington School, I could see that being a legitimate option for him in reclassing up. So definitely want to make sure we track his recruitment and kind of how he, he finished the season out uh, with the Burlington School, which, you know, has added a lot of nice pieces, you know, changes to the coaching staff. Uh, they got a real shot at the state championship this year here in North Carolina. And uh, decided to see what that group does as, as a team and, or as a program. So make sure we just keep an eye on Jaden Michaels, Nationally, the big news was Scotty Barnes going to Florida State. I think this is a perfect fit. Uh, Leonard Hamilton specializes with kids that are hybrids, Uh, not necessarily when they most coaches use positionless basketball as a recruiting tool. Leonard lives it, Uh, he does it year in, year out, gets big guys, and comes up with concepts that allows them to cause problems on the defensive end for offensive teams and vice versa. And uh, I just think that plays to Scotty's strengths. Uh, I think Leonard's able to hide a lot of kids' weaknesses, you know, using the schemes that he uses and how he, he puts his rosters together. I was really impressed that Scotty chose uh, Florida State uh, and because uh, I, I really feel like that's the best fit for him out of the teams that, you know, he had narrowed down to so I'm excited to see what that looks like next year. Uh, but it's, it's refreshing to see kids choose an option that truly benefits them as a basketball player, which for a kid like Scott Barnes could, you know, determine where he's picked at in a subsequent draft. So getting it right is definitely a big equation for getting check. So definitely excited about that uh big congrats to leonard hamilton on landing that on on landing scotty that's a big time acquisition for that program so what brings us to episode nine is a series of group chats that i have with former d1 players uh pretty much all of them play high major so it's pretty cool to get their insight uh considering the coaches that they play for but the first topic that caused a long chain of text messages, was coaching styles. And when is it too early to go full Bobby Knight on a kid? So um, a lot of the guys are now transitioning to fatherhood. They have sons of their own, daughters of their own, and they're struggling with the process of tough love, being dad, and just being soft. And I told them that's a, uh, a battle that you have when you deal with youth sports in general. There's a lot of pretenders out there that just yell and cuss and scream at kids just because it makes it look like they're coaching. But the true responsibility of a coach is to make sure that your kids understand the game. They understand the, the proper verbiage when you're on the court, which will only lead them to further adjust as they get older. And understanding how to accept coaching and how to follow instruction. That's what coaching should be about in development. Looking good on the sideline is, I felt, was the biggest reason why coaches rant and rave the way they do on the sidelines at the early ages. Uh, I don't know what the benefit is. Some people say, you know, it's making a man out of them, it's making the kids tough. I think in certain instances it can do that, but in a lot of cases I think it can make kids lose love for the game. I think it can make kids lose respect uh, for the individuals involved. So I would say there's about eight of us in the chat. Five of them said the kids should be taught off-rip for the most part (laughs) Uh, with consequence. You know, if you miss this layup, you gotta run, you gotta sit up. There's some type of punishment for the crime, so to speak. So, it was about split. It's been my experience that kids, especially really young ages, five, six, seven, eight, they don't know if they love sports. 9 times out of 10, either they're playing because their buddies are playing, or they're playing because mom and dad said you're going to play basketball, soccer, football, baseball, whatever, just, you know, because they want them involved. I think you start adding that extra layer of to it, a little, little extra tough love to it when the kid says, "I want to be the best basketball player," or acknowledges that they are vested in, in that situation. Until then, I think they're just doing it for fun. Which, when it's fun, I think you just do the development, and you know, just weigh, weigh it out. I don't I don't think there's a one way or the other situation. But I think going at them too hard at the wrong age is definitely more detrimental than beneficial. But I definitely want to see what you guys as an audience thought from a parent's point of view and a player's point of view. So drop me a line on Twitter or Instagram and say, hey, you know, this has been my coaching experience. Or as a player, say this is what you like or what you really choose to play for. Some kids and some people on Twitter and everything else, like memes or comment on memes where they talk about coaching being too soft and I want, you know, I want to play for a K or a Bobby Knight or one of these guys. And I really feel like they're speaking on that thinking they know, but they really don't know until they experience it. And for me, I didn't play on that level. So I I take all my experience from going to practices each and every week a lot of kids cannot play for these coaches with the demands that they have and the intensity in which they coach with. The expectation is for you to perform. And I think for this generation, parents have been very wise in how they place their kids in situations, schools, travel teams, to where they can dominate the the opponents based on the uh, deficiency in talent. I don't see parents and kids actively seeking to play the best, train with the best, and prove that I'm the best. It's more of a strategic game of when to be seen and not be seen. I also think there's a culture that's developed that if I'm not happy, the answer is to leave, which is high school, school districts, travel teams. I don't think they get used to being coached hard long enough to benefit them going to college and playing for a guy like Coach K or any of these guys, like, they, they are intense, and what they want, they want. There's no compromising on that, and I think that hurts the kids, so if you ask me, do I think this generation has been coached softer? I think definitely, but part of that is the invention of the camera phone, uh, the video access, uh, people being able to have access to. Seeing those conversations that tough love being given out without understanding the relationship between that coach and the player or the team i just think it's i want to say it's impossible but it's a rare situation to see kids really get coached up like that there's only like a handful of coaches that i've seen do it uh recently uh you know in north carolina jeff is always pinpointed as that guy jeff mcginnis of team charlotte and i really don't think he gets on the kids probably the way that he really wants to because again he's being called extreme for what he does now and I tell people a lot of times what they see Jeff doing is more close to similar to what these kids are going to receive in college than vice versa and I think that's a benefit to the kids that can handle it for the kids who can't handle it then it's You know a lot of times it's seen as a problem but i tell parents and kids everything isn't for everybody if you're a kid that needs a pat on the back or positive encouragement constantly to play at your best then you align yourself with a program or a coach that that's their culture you can't change a coach or his his philosophy or his culture The key is is either he's going to try to change you by immersing you in that culture, which may be new to you, and it may pull something out of you that you didn't know you had, or it's going to break you, and you're going to go back into a shell and you know, usually not advance very far if you can be broken. So I see what a lot of the guys in my chat were saying, but to me, I think there's a science to how you go at a kid and bring the best out and i think there's only a, a small few that have a phd in this line and are capable of not crossing a certain threshold where it becomes a negative experience or a negative situation so i, like I, said, I definitely hear your thoughts on it let me know what you think uh what your experiences are Is tough love is there a certain age that you think is more appropriate than the others you know let me know go to team Felton basketball i'm going to post a question today go to team film basketball on twitter instagram facebook frederick cannon on facebook coach cannon on instagram or your sports consultant it'll be posted on all three but let me know what your experiences are let me know why you appreciate tough love or why you think it's going too far i'm just interested to see what you guys think and uh, we'll we'll touch back on it on the next episode as a follow-up to see what everybody thinks the second uh, argument or discussion in our same group chat was talking about the lack of attention paid to college basketball when recruitment is the number one expectation of the parents so it brought up a whole discussion about what your expectations are of your coach at the various levels of basketball and we started With the smallest, so a lot of kids get their first taste of basketball at the YMCA. So usually like three years old and five years old, six years old, somewhere in that ballpark. What is an expectation for a coach at that age group? And, you know, kind of what, what do you look for to determine whether it's a good or bad experience? The next age group is usually when the start of travel ball starts, which is usually like eight and under all the way up to, we'll say like 8th grade, so like 14U. What are your expectations when that 8U and 14U year time frame? And then the time frame from 15U through 17U or the 7th, you know, senior year of high school. And kind of breaking down those phases. So for me, I felt like the expectations of twofold questions, because we're talking about kids actually watching ball and all that, To me, that falls in that category of that 15U to senior in high school. I tell kids all the time, don't choose a school because you like the color, because they just won the national championship this year, or reaching success, or you like a guy to just play there, because those guys are gone. That championship doesn't have anything to do with you because you weren't a part of it, and you don't want to choose schools based off of this is cool, the campus looks good, the whole nine yards. I expect my kids, if you tell me this is the schools that you're looking at, you should be able to tell me because they run a four-round one offense. They had this guy that looked just like me who just did, you know, had a successful career. Parents, if you're not doing that, I don't want to hear anything about wanting your son recruited or daughter recruited. Because a lot of times what happens is I'll get phone calls with Fred. I think he can play in the 18. Fred, I think he can play in the Southern Conference. Okay, which school do you think you can play for? A lot of times the parents can't even name the schools in the conference that they're referencing. They can't tell me a player that, that mimics or reminds them of their kid in that conference. They're just throwing it out there based on, okay, well, it's not Duke of Carolina, so I think my son or daughter can play there. That's not the case. Understand what you're doing. Take a look at the team's play and make sure that it's an actual fit. Where do you see your son or daughter fitting in in that offensive-defensive scheme? How many juniors do they have? How many seniors do they have? Who's in front of you? Just watching the game can tell you all of that. And it can tell you, you know, guys that look like your son or daughter or players that look like your son or daughter, if they have success. If your son or daughter is 5'5", and their point guard is all 6'5", that's probably not the right school for them to go to. But you don't know until you view the game. So I, all of us have been in total in our group chat that people no longer watch the game of basketball. It's just more so just the fanship of, one, getting the offer, and two, the, the visits, the unofficial or official, they just, I think parents like going on them and the kids like going on them and it looks great on social media. So that's kind of how they make their, their decision is based on who gives you know the most likes on whatever particular school a lot of times. so. Definitely 100% agree that the viewership needs to increase before making these decisions um, or entering the recruitment process. So make sure that you do that. Um, the expectations of your coaches to me should align with your expectations of your son or daughter's in game or in goal from playing the game of basketball. If you're a kid, you know, family are just doing this, it's bonding, it's just for fun, then I think that's what you look for. I think that's the expectation of the coach throughout each level. Keep this game fun for my son and daughter and my family until they can't play anymore. That's a fair expectation. Um, if you are a kid that a, a, aspires to be a collegiate basketball player on any level, you probably, your expectations should be a little greater you know I, I, I want a coach that's going to be accessible i want a coach that's going to be uh active in my development i want a coach that's going to push me and not let me cheat the game in any way from conditioning to uh you know just execution in, in the games itself or practice or workouts uh you should your expectations should be a little little higher um the expectations that we all agree that shouldn't be a part of the process is what you can do for me off the floor. Uh, what I mean by that: all of, all coaches have had to go pick a kid up or take a kid home, but the expectation shouldn't be, "Well, I'm going to go somewhere with the kids they're going to do this all the time." Um, that's not a fair expectation. Uh, same thing with if they're coming to pick your son or daughter up you know them putting the bill for food dinner gas the whole nine yards for that expense shouldn't be part of the expectations the expectations we're talking about are strictly basketball related what are your expectations for a coach coaching your son or daughter at the various age groups again i would love to see what you guys put you know post uh our answers were pretty similar it was just the combination of how to get the kids there was the biggest disagreement uh, as far as how tough to coach the kids up, um, and at what age that was acceptable and not acceptable, and are you offended by curse words uh, coming at your son or daughter as an amateur? It uh, does that bother you, or is everybody pretty much sensitive, uh, I desensitized from, from that aspect of the game? Reason I ask this because when you get to college day those kids are going to get cursed at nine times out of ten. As I can only think of a handful of people that I don't remember hearing any profanity at a practice. I know Tony Bennett was one. I don't recall hearing anything at his practice. And Coach Sanchez at UNC Charlotte, I don't recall. And they're from the same, well, you know, Sanchez is from that Virginia culture tree. So those are two individuals kind of from the same pod. So I can't really, I don't want to say really count that as two separate instances because they're kind of from the same book but uh, the other nine it was uh, it gets real intense um, and I think the key for most kids is learning to decipher through the, through the uh, tough love speech <laughs> Just decipher what the message is or the uh, the command is and being able to execute it and uh, I think a lot of times the language is used Especially with the freshmen, to break them down and then build them back up. Um, with the social media age being what it is, a lot of kids come in thinking they are really better than what they are or a certain type of entitlement or arrogance that when they go to practice for the first time on the college level and the guy that was seventh or the eighth man on that team is better than you. Uh, causes a lot of and anxiety because now the kid who thought he was all world is having trouble with the seven or eight man that's, you know, three or four years older than he is, uh, but they didn't take that into account, you know, when they was choosing their school. So I think the two go hand in hand, but just let me know what your expectations are, uh, the different age groups and, you know, when is it too early to start coaching the kid too hard and are you desensitized or sensitive to vulgar language? At your child, definitely want you guys to touch, you know, touch base with me on that, and let me know what you think. And uh, like I said, we'll definitely discuss that on the next episode, episode ten. Uh, the next question that I got um, a request for was to kind of talk about how I got into, you know, travel basketball and how I got to this point. And uh, just in a nutshell, because it's, it's been a pretty long journey. Uh, I initially started coaching at the Y down in Charlotte while I was at UNC Charlotte before I transferred back to UNCG. Once I transferred back to UNCG, um, I met Delaney Rudd and Keith Gatlin, um, Phil Topman, Guy Shavers, Sam Warren, and Greg Williams, and Eric Allspa. And if I left somebody out, uh, definitely no disrespect. Um, but... Delaney had just started with that group of guys that started the Greensboro Panthers and uh, Some of the kids you may or may not know at least from the area that you will know That is Tommy Carpenter who uh, ended up graduating from Dartmouth and played basketball there uh, Jay Kenny started there John Fry uh, Jeremy Reynolds was, was, my, was my guy ended up playing football at Texas Tech and um, Michael Neal, who played at Appalachian State. Uh, Tyquan Roberts, uh, better known as Tutu in the area. Uh, he was one of the kids there. Quentin Morrow, who was uh, probably one of the better players to come to Cummins High School, went on to play at Brunswick and uh, St. Al's. Uh But that was the initial group of kids that came under that umbrella. I'm sure I'm leaving some people out. But we, we coached there for three years, three or four years, and then it turned into Delaney. Then changed the name from Greensboro Panthers to Team Phoenix, which still exists today. Uh, both boys and girls were on the Team Phoenix, and um, you know that was that's kind of where I got my start. So Delaney was the first to give me a, a shot at coaching the team, and. Uh, their their first group was 10 or 11 youth um, that I started off with and I started as an assistant. Um, Later took over head coaching duties after uh, Coach Chris, he ended up uh, Walton that I coached under uh, relocated to California uh, where he's still coaching there. And um, once I coached with the Phoenix for two or three years and then I started coaching with the Carolina Cobras and uh, for part of the season and also coached with the Greensboro Gators. I had a group comprised uh, of some of the kids that were attending uh, Western Gifford where I was a JV coach and varsity assistant under Coach Wade. And uh, I spent time at Lincoln Middle School where I had uh, Reggie Perkins, who's now a young legend in the city uh, <laughs> of Greensboro, and a big contributor with the Josh Level Classic. Um, I trained uh, him and Jordan Perkins and a lot of those kids when they were probably 9, 10, 11 years old, somewhere in that ballpark, had the pleasure of coaching Reggie at Lincoln and then Reggie again at Weston Guilford. And um, Team Felton was started by Coach Wade, who at the time was varsity coach at Weston Guilford. And uh, I got on board with him there, and we coached a group that had Harry Giles and Sleep Felton, Mike Buckland, Jamie Newman, uh, Ty Graves. Uh, really good group of kids. And um, we we had one team at the time, which was a fifth and sixth grade team. And then uh, Coach Wade left to join CP3 two or two years later. And um, I became director um, in 2010. And with that one team, we uh, ended up adding two other teams, which was Haywood Elite, which was previously the Greensboro Warriors. Uh, we brought that group on, uh, which was coached by Coach Seagrave and Coach Waddell, I believe. Um, those guys came on board, which had George Perkins and Bill Diller on that team, Jalen Spicer, I think, was on that team. Um, uh, picked up those kids and then we added another age group so we had 6th, 7th, and 8th grade when I took over in 10th grade uh, I'm sorry, in 2010 we had three teams on the program name um, our 7th grade team finished 5th nationally in AAU Division 1 and my 8th grade team we we took our 8th grade team to Vegas, uh, we were Adidas at the time and, uh, they had Adidas 64. We finished in, we lost in the lead eight or final four at the Chauncey Village League that year. And then we stayed, uh, we went to Under Armour that very next year as a freshman group with my team, which was 2016. And, uh, during the 2016 season, that freshman year, we added a 2015 team comprised mostly of Greensboro Day students, uh, well, players. And, uh, that's kind of how we got started in a nutshell. Um, so it's been a long grind. I've been unsponsored, sponsored um, the whole nine yards. So a lot of people really only caught a whiff of my journey probably within the last four or five years. Um, I go back as far as coaching against Rick Lewis when Tyler was probably 10 or 11 years old. Uh, that's how far it goes back. I have uh, stat books with, you know, coaching against Tyler, coaching against uh, –
1: Garden Road when they
0: had uh, Warren, T.J. Warren, and Rodney, and people like that when they was like 13, 12, 13 years old. So um, I've seen a lot of programs come and go. I've seen a lot of people come and go. It's a uh, revolving door in this game. There's always another team. There's always another program. There's always another kid. So I tell a lot of people through my journey, one thing I always – learned was that you need to take advantage of each day and each opportunity to get as many kids and help as many kids as possible because they can always change. Um, there's no long-term stability in this game, really. Um, the ones that do, that's why they stand out so much. When you look at Abu Williams, um, Dwayne West, those guys that have been in this thing for I don't want to shortchange it, but I know 20-plus years is a safe thing to say is 20-plus. That's a spectacular feat to accomplish. To be able to maintain it and organize it for that long says a lot. Uh, Especially to do it generationally says a lot. So that's why those guys are are held in such a high regard because that is not an easy feat uh, to pull that off. And I always, you know, show my respect to those guys. We always compete. Um, and there's always a certain level of gamesmanship, but um, from a longevity standpoint, seeing what they're doing for so many other kids and stuff like that, and it really setting a model and setting an opportunity for people like myself to get into the game in general, um, I think it would be a, a form of disrespect not to acknowledge kind of what those guys have done and, you know, did to kind of set the path for guys like myself. So, um,. For anybody that's looking to get into it you know doing it you know got the situation with you know you got a son, team for your son daughter and you're going through it a lot of times these programs don't last because the interest is vested in really one kid or that one group of kids so if i got a son or daughter in that age group i coach it out all the way through to where my son or daughter doesn't want to be invested in the mortar so i pull my attention away and the program goes away i think the programs that They really stand the test of time has a figurehead that's vested through and through, uh, regardless if they have a kid or not in the program, and kind of maintain it based on that dynamic, and uh, I I just say follow your own philosophy, whatever your philosophy is, mine is no student loans. I really just do this to make sure kids go to school for free. that's that's my number one priority and that's the priority for us to get these kids to school if we won a ua championship or an adidas championship or whatever the case may be and my kids didn't go to school from top to bottom of my roster i I would be i would feel like i failed my kids um everybody's philosophy is not their way and i'm not there's not a right or wrong way to do it um just whatever your philosophy is i just tell you to follow through and through um, when it comes to sponsorship, a lot of people say, "Man, I wish I was sponsored. Wish we were sponsored. We Going sponsored." I can tell you, just from being there for so long now, there's a certain uh, pressure, uh, certain certain boundaries that could be tested if you allow it to be. Uh, and dealing with sponsorships and that type of deal, that if you're not equipped to handle those pressures and those responsibilities it goes down really fast uh it can bring you down really fast if you're not equipped and don't have a good circle around you uh to help you kind of digest everything that's on your plate uh there's expectations that have to be met um uh, to maintain those sponsorships and uh, i think that causes a lot of people to act out of character uh especially over kids that type of deal so I just tell people all the time, like, it's definitely better to be able to have funding, for sure. Uh, Not to do the fish fries and all that good stuff. But I can tell you, like, you don't have to have a sponsorship to go to school. As long as you as a coach continue to evolve your contact list and build a contact list to where you can have people come watch your kids. If you don't take pride in that as a coach or... Director of any program, I don't care if you got a sponsorship or not. It's not going to last long because uh, at the end of the day, these kids are putting their dreams in your hands. Even if you're on the circuit, I'm, I'm helping kids now that played on various circuits that don't have any scholarship offers. So just playing on the circuit or being on a circuit team will not automatically give you a scholarship uh, through a extension sports consultant. I've helped kids that were unsponsored. I'm helping the kids that played on Adidas Gauntlet, I'm helping a kid that played on the UYBL And I've helped my own players that played on the Under Armour Association. So playing on the circuit or non-circuit, there's no guarantees in travel basketball. So I definitely want to let you know that. But I understand that grind, for me to get where I'm at right now with the connections I have and influence that I have, it took almost 20 years to get there now, you know, some could probably get there sooner. Um, technology has helped, definitely sped it up in the last five to six years, but when I first started, uh, email was the primary source to gain contact, connections. I'm, I'm also in a changed career to where I run my own company, which allows me to travel and meet these coaches face-to-face, go to these practices. I don't know if I am who I am, if I just work a nine-to-five job where I was restricted to an office every day. Um, I think you will get capped out at a certain point. Or your connections will depend on you having a top-notch kid in your program and the coaches contact you so you don't have to do the legwork. Either way, is fine. As long as the connection is a connection. So however you need to get the connections, get it. Um, but just make sure you use it and uh, work for your kids. But. That's kind of been my journey. It's been a great journey. Um, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy the podcast. I enjoy helping kids. And team felt, you know, Raymond, when they gave me the opportunity to take over as director, that's something I had been looking forward to for a long time. So I cherish it. Um, he puts, you know, his name on the line with me. Uh, Undarm has done the same. Adidas has done the same. So those things are all a blessing. And I think the biggest key for guys just getting in is keeping your nose clean so people will want to invest in you, not use you. And, uh, you know, do right by your kids, do right by your people. Once word of mouth gets out and nobody wants to really see you do well, it's pretty easy for them to kind of cut you out. There's always somebody else that they can put in in your place. Uh, So be humble, uh, work your tail off, work for your kids. Know, do it for the right reasons, and I think everybody has a shot. Um, there's more than enough scholarships to go around, and uh, just be careful who you align yourself with, and just do things the right way, and you always have a shot to kind of experience some of the things that I've experienced. Basketball has allowed me access to uh, stuff that I never would imagine. Um, so it's taken me back, you know, tenfold. My children. Uh, my oldest particularly, Cam, he loves basketball. You know, we go watch games all the time. I can watch kids that I coach. He watches them on TV. He feels like they're big brothers to him. That fact alone, you know, means the world to me. So, you know, you're going to get out of what you put into it. Um, every kid that's come through the program and finished the program out has gone to school on scholarship. Every kid that I've assigned, you know, worked with for the Central Sports that finished it out, has received a scholarship offer so whatever that gift is that I've been blessed to be given like you know I, I know I'm changing lives for the better and that's always what I've wanted to do and uh this has been a great journey for me and I'm looking forward to kind of seeing where it heads from a coaching and director standpoint and the fact that I have a six-year-old that loves basketball just as much as I do uh watching him go through the journey from a different lens as opposed to watching somebody else's kids gonna be pretty dope too but that's, that's kind of my journey in a nutshell um, I'd be interested to see or hear some of you guys journeys as well so drop that on your page on my page as well or drop it on yours and tag me in it um, I'd love to hear that too So, but that pretty much wraps up episode 9 of this podcast I want to just leave a little you know, encouraging word for the kids that might be listening understand that your future is always in your hands there's no time to throw a pity party Nobody's going to listen. If you wait until to the last minute to prepare for basketball season from a conditioning standpoint and a skill set standpoint, you're cheating your team and you're cheating your coach and you're wasting a lot of people's time. If you want to be successful, you have to do your schoolwork. You have to train. You have to do your conditioning. There's no way around it. Make sure you get in that gym this week. Make sure you put in work. Your stats will tell on you when the high school season starts. And if you're a kid that plays at a school that doesn't play anybody, you score or dominate in the game, you have to find another way to push yourself and put yourself in front of a challenge because nobody's going to believe the numbers you're putting up will translate to the next level until you do it to somebody who's going to that level. So make sure you always seek the challenge. Play someone one-on-one this week. Don't always do it against the cone. Find out what works, what doesn't work for you, and that's going to make you a better player. But until next time, keep ascending, and I'm out.